Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. probably underestimate how many things we do in a given day simply by habit. That is to say, all those things we do without ever thinking deliberately about how we do them. You, for example, have habits and rituals that guide how you wake up in the morning and brush your teeth and how you dress or what order you wash your body extremities in when you're in the shower. You have particular habits and rituals that dictate how you make the bed and when you make it, or how you grab a cup of coffee. The order with which you do these things and the method by which you do them is all second nature to you. You spend virtually no mental energy whatsoever having to think about these things. They're almost instinctual. Well, What if that could be our goal with faith as well? That somehow we could acquire all these different habits of faith, good habits, and nurture all these good disciplines of faith such that they would prove to be an incredibly dependable kind of anchor in the storms of life. What if faith could become like this for us? something sustaining for the long haul. Well, this is what I'd like to think about with you today. But first, a reading to set the stage about a blind man named Bartimaeus 
who, whom Jesus declares to have incredible faith. Here it is from Mark's 10th chapter, beginning at the 46th verse. As Jesus and his disciples, along with a large crowd, were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, who was a blind beggar and the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out loud and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The people around him sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still, and he said to the people, Call him here. And so the people called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. So throwing off his cloak, Bartimaeus sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, My teacher, I want to see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately, Bartimaeus regained his sight, and he followed Jesus on the way. Well, now take a listen to some thoughts about that faith of yours and some habits you want to grow. Keeping in mind throughout this message, blind Bartimaeus. Have a listen. Well, as I'm sure you've discovered by now, there are some things in life that are too important to be left to chance or to mere impulse or to some kind of haphazard behavior. The really important things in life depend on us acquiring certain habits or certain disciplines that we develop over long stretches of time. Most of our deeply ingrained habits are just that. They are deep within us. They're second nature. Often, they're formed over very uneventful times and days and experiences. The patterns with which you eat the habits with which you sleep, how you get in your car and out of your car, all those little rituals that you go about as to when you buckle your seatbelt or where you put your purse. When you love someone and you haven't seen them for a long time, you don't even think about the encounter when it happens, you are going to kiss them or you are going to hug them or you are going to embrace them because that is the habit you've acquired for someone whom you love. Aristotle, who was famous for all kinds of things that actually shape lots of our thinking, one of the more important things Aristotle ever said was that the excellent life, if you want to call it that, the excellent life is made up of good habits. Not spectacular achievements, but good habits. Kind of like an athlete who learns the fundamentals of a sport and then when she plays that sport she doesn't even have to think about the fundamentals because they are habitual. Habits, they develop over time. You make a good decision, 
and the next decision that's good becomes easier to make, and you recognize that it's good. The virtues in our lives which end up becoming shaped into habits or disciplines, they don't just come out of nowhere. When your umbilical cord is cut in the maternity unit, you don't just pop out of the womb with generosity and with reverence and with love and with faith. We learn these over long stretches of time, hoping to make such things, such virtues, habitual in our lives. Simply wanting to be good at driving doesn't make you good at driving. Simply wanting to be good at marriage or at basketball or at faith doesn't make you simply good at any of those things. There's some persistent training that's required here. There's some disciplined focus, sometimes over very mundane activities, over very ordinary days. But that's how we acquire habits and practices that end up shaping who we are. This is what we do with faith. You're practicing your faith every single day of your life. You may not realize it, that you're turning your faith into these practices and habits every day, but you're doing it by the way you pray or when you choose to pray, by bothering to come to church on a rainy day, for goodness sakes, by caring for other people the way you care for them. You're practicing your faith by the way you spend your money, by the way you give your money away. You and I, we're devoting our lives to acquiring these significant habits of faith. Because remember, the most important things in your life, they're too important to be left just to chance or just to impulse or just to haphazard behavior. And when something like faith becomes second nature, it's really beautiful. Because you don't have to do all this mental hard work, you know, to make decisions. They just sort of come. Your brain doesn't have to work so hard when you've acquired extraordinary habits. But something happens, though, to way, way too many people when a crisis strikes or when you get a dreaded phone call or when there's a pretty serious medical diagnosis that's just been shared with you or when death comes knocking at your door. Something happens to a whole lot of people. They collapse spiritually. It's one thing to fall apart emotionally when tragic news strikes. That's expected. And it takes years to recover from. It's why we have a grief class this morning, for goodness sakes, because it's emotionally tough when when hard things hit. But to spiritually collapse is a whole other matter, to turn your faith into an instant house of cards. And I see this all the time of people who start drifting in confusion. They get lost. They get unmoored. They become afraid. This is where I want to step in and say to them, or say to myself in the same situation, now just wait a minute here. You have been practicing this faith for your entire life. Don't scrap it on the spot. 
There's a reason you say the Lord's Prayer every single week, and some of you every single day. You say that Lord's Prayer every week because you need it right now. You've been practicing for this moment, for your whole life. You've been expecting this day is going to come at some point. I don't know if you've been waiting for it, but you've been expecting it. And what you've been used to hearing is cancer in somebody else's life. It might suddenly now be in your life. Well, of course it's new. And sure, it's totally unwanted. But that's no reason to park your faith and derail the trust that you have acquired through these awesome habits over long stretches of time. You people, you're actually extremely fortunate to have developed these disciplines and habits of faith. And I say you're fortunate because a lot of people, they don't have them. And there's also no way to make faith up in an instant, in a moment. Faith doesn't work instantaneously like that. Magic does, superstition might, but faith, it doesn't work like that. It's like all the reports that we've heard over the many months, you know, in crowded ICU units where a lot of unvaccinated people are on the door of death and they're just hoping for anything and many pleading for a vaccine at that point. To which the medical personnel just simply have to say, no, vaccines, they don't work like that. They're not an instant cure-all. Their goodness and their value is accumulated over time. Faith is like that. It grows into our lives over long stretches of time and often uneventful days. <laughs> but these habits, these disciplines that we all develop, they prepare us for the toughest of days. You know, I heard one of our members talking to his high school son one day, a kid who was not exactly excited about church. He was excited about weightlifting for football. And what Dad said to him was, was this. He said, Faith, it's just kind of like your weight training, buddy. You can't just lay down on the bench and expect to bench press 225 pounds. You will kill yourself. You will drop the barbell. No, you, you grow your, your muscles over time. You train them up. He said, Church, it's just like that. Faith. You've got spiritual muscles. You have to train them. You have to work them. You have to train them to carry you through everything, including the toughest moments you'll ever face. A woman in this congregation, about three years ago, suffered a really severe stroke. It changed her life completely. But her daughter tells this beautiful story of her everyday visit to mom. And she says, when mom wakes up in the morning, she gets dressed, she makes the bed, and then she sits on the edge of the bed with the Bible open and in her lap. She can't read that Bible now. She doesn't know exactly what to do with it because of her stroke. But this is how she has started every day of her adult life. And this, help, this habit is helping hold her together through the mess and the muddle of a pretty serious stroke. Now I'm talking about this discipline of faith that we, we cultivate over long stretches of time. 
because today we meet a man whose name is Bartimaeus, a blind guy. He's been not blind since birth, but blind for a good stretch of time, some years. He's used to being overlooked. That's what we do with beggars then. That's what we do with beggars now. We just kind of pass them by. Or we walk around them as inconspicuously as we can. But when he hears that Jesus is in the vicinity, he cries out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the people who are all around him, they tell him to shut up. But he's not going to shut up because he knows that Jesus is there. So he says, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus calls him to come on over, well, then the crowd changes their mind as if they've always cared for the guy. They say, yeah, come on over. He's calling for you. Interesting little change of behavior. Jesus says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, well, actually, I'd like to see. To which Jesus says, you can go now. Your faith has made you well. And immediately the guy regains his sight. Actually, he doesn't go anywhere. He comes and he follows Jesus. Well, what kind of faith does Bartimaeus have? He doesn't have the propositional kind of faith. The kind is printed in books. We have no sense that he's ever uttered a creed like we do in church services. He was simply at home with the idea of trusting his life to God and it's something he cultivated over a long stretch of time. His whole life was built on trust. When you're blind, that's what you have to do. You, you, you organize your whole life around trust. You can't cross the street unless you trust your hearing, your instinct, your surroundings. He even trusted that the people would consider him a nuisance most of the time. But what he had been preparing for a long time was to meet this one who might heal him. He waited for years through his blindness for this moment. And when he heard even the crackle, the faintest crackle of the voice of Jesus in the vicinity, he just pipes up, Lord, have mercy on me. I want to see. He repeats himself. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. I want to see. You don't do that unless you have some kind of faith within you. A deeply rooted faith. And Bartimaeus, he'd been preparing for this moment for a long time. And he could pick out Jesus' voice out of that whole cacophony of people. Jesus says, go now. Your faith has made you well. Jesus is basically saying, this guy gets it. He gets it. He understands faith. It's not this instantaneous little magical thing. So let me send you off with a, an image, if I may. Uh, this is from Charlie Parker, the great sax player in the jazz world. And one time, uh, Parker was trying to advise some as aspiring musicians uh, to get into the act of jazz. And he said to them, well, the first thing you have to learn are the fundamentals. And then you have to practice, and you have to practice, and you practice some more. And then he said, when you get up on stage, you don't worry about any of that stuff. You just forget it all, and you wail. That's Bartimaeus. He learned the fundamentals of trust. He practiced them. He waited for them. 
And when his moment on stage came, he just wailed. He just wailed, Jesus, I want to see. Please have mercy on me. Amen. So if you'll join me in prayer, as we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you 
with the desire to grow and deepen your habits of prayer and worship and gratitude so that when your day of real need comes, you'll be ready to stand on some stage with Jesus and wail confidently, really and truly wail confidently. I need you more than ever, Lord, more than ever. Have mercy on me. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.